I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we lock up with the episode that originally aired on June 12th, 2013. In this episode, Sami Zayn and Cesaro are really good at wrestling, you guys. <laughs> so good. Also, there's a new NXT champion that happens later, but seriously, they are really good. Oh. Welcome to episode four of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we met an awesome goth girl, a couple of friendly goth boys, and the guy who played Steel Horse on episode five of Glow. There was also tons of talking and not very much wrestling. This week, we have a bunch of wrestling, including the best match we've seen on NXT so far, I'm going to say, and the crowning of a new champion. We'll hear all about that in Bob's Breakdown. Then we'll get her take on the episode as a whole before diving into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. We will also debut a brand new listener interaction segment <gasps> called Guess the Gimmick. Yeah! And as always, we will finish the episode off with the wrestling term of the week and the cheap pop quiz. But before any of that, here are the answers to the cheap pop quiz from last episode. Bob, are you ready? Oh my gosh, I forgot about this. I'm super ready for this because I think I did slightly better. Hmm, interesting. Okay. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. <laughs> so question number one last episode, Bob, was next episode, you'll hear a reference to The Shield, a trio of wrestlers, including the very first NXT champion, who at the time were running wild on the main roster and beating the piss out of literally everyone. What was their gimmick? Was it A, militant vigilantes who dressed like a SWAT team? B, evil supernatural creatures of unspecified variety with inconsistent dark powers? C, rich entitled bros who think having money makes them better than everyone else? Or D, male cheerleaders? Bob, you selected the answer A, militant vigilantes who dress like a SWAT team, and you are correct! <gasps> ah, I did it! Oh my gosh, I have two points now! Despite the fact that the group has since broken up, one of them still wears a flak jacket for some reason. They're kind of cool. A little bit. <laughs> Question number two. What's the term for the person who accompanies wrestlers to the ring during their matches, a la Sylvester LaForge from last episode and next episode? A. If it's a man, he's called a manager. If it's a woman, she's called a valet. B. If it's a man, he's called a valet. If it's a woman, she's called a manager. C. If it's someone who speaks on the wrestler's behalf, they're a manager. If it's someone who just hangs out as muscle and or eye candy, they're a valet. D. If it's someone who speaks on the wrestler's behalf, they're a valet. If it's someone who just hangs out as muscle and or eye candy, they're a manager. You chose the answer C, if it's someone who speaks on the wrestler's behalf, they're a manager. If it's someone who just hangs out as muscle and or eye candy, they're a valet. And that is also correct. Yeah! And finally, Bob, question three was, next week, another female wrestler will be interviewed backstage by Renee Young. Is she A, somehow even more weird and awkward than Emma? 
or B, LOL, fuck you, that's impossible. Nobody is weirder or more awkward than Emma. <laughs> Bob, what do you think the answer to this question is? Definitely weirder than Emma. I think it's a different flavor of weird. And so I think that could be possibly considered equivalent uh-huh. if you're being very specific about your flavors. But I'm going to say weirder. Well, and that was the answer you selected. And that, Bob, is also correct. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Hat trick. Hat trick. You swept it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I can't th- remember this. This is not going to happen again for some time, <laughs> I predict. That much closer to getting me to read a romance novel, Bob, or some, fan, some kind of fanfic of your choice. Yes. I've been reading a lot of Good Omens, so I oh, have quite a few options. That actually weirdly excites me, and now I'm slightly disturbed. Let's move on. No, you're going to enjoy <laughs> it. A of three. A of three. So, uh, yeah, congratulations on that, Bob. We will see if you can do as well on this episode's Sheep Pop Quiz. But first, it's time to get into Bob's Breakdown. Match one, Zane, Golden Retriever Boy, bounds into the ring. The crowd is super into it, and I wanted to ask you right off, is that usual for a babyface to get the crowd on site after only one or two appearances? Because he's not been on much. So I feel like I might want to just jump right in here at the beginning with that question, Bob, and give you a little trading card here. Yeah! And this trading card is, you know how like, you know, some trading cards are like an individual person and some trading cards are like so-and-so versus so-and-so, that kind of thing. I didn't, but I do now. Well, now you do. We're going to talk about Zane and Cesaro real quick on this trading card. Um, One of the reasons these two are so good together is because they know each other very well. Before coming to WWE, they worked together in an independent promotion called Ring of Honor, which basically churned out an entire new generation of wrestlers during the aughts. Most of today's biggest stars are people who came up through Ring of Honor during the aughts. Cesaro's name in that promotion was Claudio Castagnoli. And oh, that's he, a good name. Actually, that is his real name. What? <laughs> yeah, Claudio Castagnoli is Cesaro's real name, and that is the name he was using oh. uh, in on the independence. His parents must have known. <laughs> he comes out of the womb. He's lifted up the doctor and spinning him around. Oh, he's going to be a wrestler. God, okay. We know what to name this child. We shall name him Claudio. Oh. So good. I don't think he and Zayn actually wrestled each other ever in Ring of Honor, but they wrestled each other in like Pro Wrestling Guerrilla and some other independent promotions. He was best known for being in a highly successful tag team called the Kings of Wrestling with his tag team partner, Cassius Ono. Oh, wow. Who was then called Chris Hero. Okay. Um, <laughs> That was his name. They were the kings of wrestling. They were awesome. I have an entire DVD devoted to their matches. They're they're great. I can um, see that being good. Cesaro was like basically playing the same character he is now, though. And Zayn is a little bit of a different story. So you mentioned the fact that the crowd really seems to like him. You might have also heard some people in the crowd singing Ole, Ole, Ole for some reason. Yes, I did. So that is a reference to his Ring of Honor character. In Ring of Honor, he played the generic luchador, El Generico. 
Oh my gosh, that's lovely. He wore a luchador mask, never spoke, and was billed as being from Tijuana, despite the <laughs> fact that he was clearly a white dude with red hair. Oh my god. He was also in a tag team with a guy named Kevin Steen, who later became El Generico's utterly psychopathic blood rival, with whom he is destined to fight for the rest of time. Oh, but don't great. worry about that. Steen is still in Ring of Honor at this point, and I'm sure his name will never come up again ever. I'm, I'm just sure of it. I know it's not going to happen, so we don't have to worry about it, all right? Oh, that's good. I didn't want to have to worry about it, no, so that's no, fine. No, no, certainly not. So that was your trading card, and uh, to answer your question, the reason that people are pretty into him is because they know who he is, because Full Sail happens to be full of people who watch independent wrestling, so they are well aware of who Sami Zayn is and okay. are already fully prepared to cheer him. Aw, that's nice. Yeah. All right, so Cesaro storms in, very perfunctorily does his little fist bumps, <laughs> and then throws his glasses off, strips off the jacket, going, ding dong, sir, I heard you ordered an ass kicking. <laughs> he leaps into the ring and is attacking Zane before the bell has even rung. Miles, again, is this rule breaking one of the ways that we know this is a feud match? Uh, yeah, I think you usually see this kind of thing only when wrestlers have been feuding a little bit because, you know, Cesaro is clearly upset about having lost to Zayn before. The feud definitely informs this aspect of the story, yes. Okay, so Cesaro gets Zayn out of the ring and delivers a series of tosses and hits, then chucks Zayn back in the ring. And then the ref checks on Zayn to be like, are you sure you want to continue? Because you right. look pretty rough. Zane's like, yeah, I'm down. So the match starts and then Cesaro starts kicking his ass in an official capacity because <laughs> now the ref is involved, which, as I learned in episode uh, zero, is how you know that it's official. That's right. So Cesaro tries for an Irish whip and Zane bounces off the ropes and throws himself up and backwards over Cesaro's head. Yeah, it's it was a rad was move. So, oh, so beautiful. It was effortless, I think is the word I would use to describe it. Yes. Zane gets Cesaro down for just a second while Cesaro like flails his legs in the air like a dying cockroach. <laughs> It is so adorable. He escapes, gets Zane above his head before Cesaro cracks him across a knee. Uh-huh. My spine whimpered. Uh-huh. It looked, it was ugly. And I wanted to also bring up that this match felt like a conversation mm. in a much different way than previous matches. A lot of give and take and a lot of responding rather than reacting in some way. To use uh-huh. like an acting phrase. Miles, is that fair? Is that a sign of a really good match? Is that a sign of a feud match? What is it about this match that works on that level? I think it's just that there's very clearly a story being told. It certainly helps if you know that Zayn and Cesaro are feuding and that Zayn already has a, a win over him. You know, and if you are a regular watcher and you watch the previous match between them, you could get a little kick out of like the callbacks they bring. And then like, for example, at some point, Zayn attempts to do the same thing he did to win the first match. Yeah. But this time it doesn't work. But even if you don't know the story going in, they just do such a great job of telling it, of telling the story of Cesaro being utterly physically dominant. And Mm. being extremely frustrated that he can't put this guy away. And Zayn just, again, using his preternatural talent to come back and come back and come back and just do. And his ability to do amazing things in the ring really helps with that. I think you said it feels like a, a conversation, and I think I agree with that. But it also feels like 
chapters. You know, it's just like, mm. okay, here's this part, here's this part, and now we get... I really think it's just a sign of two guys who just really know what they're doing and just do a phenomenal job. Uh, yeah. This was the thing that you texted me and you were, like, kind of raving about this match, which made me really happy, because, like... Yeah. Because... Oh. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, you know a great match when you see one. Oh, yeah. I can appreciate a really solid, compelling performance. Mm -hmm. And it is. Every single part of it, there's acting behind it. And there's choices and motivations that are so apparent. Yes. And speaking of apparent motivations, at this point in the match, Cesaro starts kind of losing it. And it's really interesting to watch because he starts like shaking his head going. (laughs) And Zane is sitting there dazed. And Cesaro takes this opportunity to do Dracula arms like he's wearing a cape and waiting to attack. (laughs) I just wanted to say, hopefully Rick Victor doesn't find out about this and accuse him of Van plagiarism. <laughs> At some point during Wrestling Tour of the Week, we'll talk about gimmick infringement. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, my mind is blown every week. Every week I think, well, I probably know everything there is to know about wrestling now. <laughs> and I am shocked to find out that I have only scratched the surface. Absolutely. All right. So there's one more move that I wanted to highlight. I can only describe it as some Cirque du Soleil madness. I think I know what it is. Yes. Yeah. So Zane throws his head between Cesaro's legs, flips up to wrap his thighs around Cesaro's head, then pulls himself up. So he's riding Cesaro's shoulders in what looks like the most high risk version of oral sex imaginable. (laughs) And then he flings himself down over Cesaro's back using the memento to pull Cesaro down. It is bonkers as fuck and I love it. And in the time it took me to describe that move, that move could have happened three times in a row. That is how quickly it happens. God, I feel like a terrible like wrestling expert person here. But like if that move has a name, there is a thing called a code red which is kind of what that is. Mm. But there's a little bit more going on beforehand than a Code Red usually has. So I'm okay. not sure it has an official name. But yeah, it's not the first time that I had seen Zayn do that. And every time it, it's breathtaking. Oh, it's so good. And it, it, it requires so much of Cesaro as well. Like, yeah, I think that move is like wrestling perfectly encapsulated because there is no possible way. You could do that in an actual fight. Oh, God, no. But it looks so fucking cool. <laughs> it does. It looks effortless and it they timed everything so well. So there was never a moment of the move sticking. That's why I felt like Cirque du Soleil really mm-hmm. encapsulates. Like that's the descriptor for it because it was balletic. Yes. And, and wrestling is first and foremost a circus act. That's what it is. So, oh, so good. So good. Cesaro finally wins by basically exhausting and outlasting Zane. He pins him. Zane does one last weak little leg flail to try oh and kick God. out. I oh, love that, hurt that me. so much. You don't see people do that very often. It and was it, good. It's so good. He like his leg just moves a little bit like his brain wants to kick out so badly, but I there's know. no way he can. That was such a dog thing to do as well. <laughs> and just that little bit like. No, though, I could keep going. And you're like, no, no, puppy, you can't. It's okay. So direct address to you, listeners. This match is about 15 minutes long. It is seriously worth watching. It is such a good match. Yeah, highly recommended. All right, now we go backstage. 
Yep. Renee Young introduces us to Bailey and has to coax her over like a spooked horse. It was very sweet. And boy, is that a weird horse. Bailey likes robots, how pretty Alicia Fox is, making friends, and Jenga, and she is perfect. <laughs> so that is Bailey. Yeah, she is. She has to be almost literally dragged onto the screen by Renee Young. Oh, fresh. And the segment ends with her asking Renee Young if after the match she wants to come over and play Jenga. <laughs> oh. And then we get a Leo Kruger package, which we got. It is the package, right? That's what it's, it's called. It's the same one. Yeah. And it is the yes. video package. Yeah. And I wanted to summarize a thing about him that I, I feel like really says a lot. Okay. If you haven't seen this package, <laughs> the vibe is what if the most interesting man in the world from those commercials had probably killed some people and routinely took hallucinogenic drugs. That is, that's who Leo Kruger is, as far as I could tell. He is the darkest timeline of the most interesting man in the world. Like, oh God, things went wrong. He's like, I don't drink Dosakis, I just do a ton of ayahuasca. He doesn't always skin things alive, but when he does, he prefers them to be human beings. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much the vibe you get off of him. It's also filmed mostly in darkness, so you don't really get to see his face until the very end or all of his face until the very end. He doesn't actually look that terrified. He looks like a person. Right. But it's well written. And decently performed. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. As far as performance goes, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Okay, match two, Baron Corbin and Travis Tyler versus Garrett Dillon and Scott Dawson. I have heard the name Baron Corbin somewhere in my brain. I don't know how I've heard that name, but I have heard it. So I'm predicting that he is a thing later on at some point. Okay. There we go. We'll see if that uh, prediction comes true. <laughs> my vague prediction. <laughs> All right, Sylvester LaFord is back. Yeah. He's wearing sunglasses indoors like a hero against all odds. He is somehow even oilier than last time in the ring. Dawson comes after Tyler and Tyler does all right until Dawson gets him backed in the corner and tags in Dylan. Mm -hmm. And then the two rapid fire tag in and out just to beat the utter frick out of Tyler. Yep. The ref is yelling at them like he's trying to get a coyote out of the backyard. Get out of here. Stop that. That's an illegal move. These are the things you yell to scare off wildlife. <laughs> Tyler gets Dawson down just enough to drag his now husk of a corpse right. towards his partner, tagging Baron Corbin in. Corbin comes in strong. He gets in some hits, but no. no. Uh, Dawson and Dylan set up the same move as last time with Dylan flying in butt first, slams down on Corbin. Pins him to end the match. Miles is that, it's called like a flying axe hammer. I don't know. They called it something. Yeah, flying the axe handle. Handle. Okay. Anything involving, um, like when you have your fingers laced together and you make like one big fist with both of your hands. Okay. Anything involving that is an axe handle. Oh, okay. So is this a signature move of theirs or was it just convenient? At this point, I think you can say this is their finisher because I'm pretty sure they did the same thing with Dawson delivering a spine buster to his opponent. And then Dylan comes off the top rope and does the the flying. Like, I think you would actually call it a sit out flying axe handle, because when you when the move ends with you sitting down with your legs like spread like that, it's called a yeah. sit out, whatever it is. Oh, so. my spine hates watching it so much. It looks so like it would jar your tailbone so badly. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, they must either have very good painkillers or have 
no pre-existing injuries, which I find difficult to believe. <laughs> or a complete disregard for their own well-being. Yeah, there you go. All right. Backstage drama. Yeah. Oh, so good. Adrian Neville, Cassius Ono, and Corey Graves are backstage arguing about which of them deserves a match with Bray Wyatt. Because Adrian Neville does have a match coming up with Bray Wyatt. So, mm-hmm. you know, foreshadowing. Right. But William Regal pops into the shot with Wise historical advice like some lord of the rings appendices <laughs> he tells these boys about the shield mm. yes back in the first stage of wwe when the elves were young and <laughs> gondolin had not fallen yet etc that's right anyway regal tells them to work together take out the family aka harper and rowan Neville, who, as far as I'm concerned, is an adorable Geordie Hobbit, <laughs> asks, he is, he's so tiny compared to Cassius Ono and Corey Graves. He's he also a, fucking weird looking and he has huge ears. Oh, that's, he's a Hobbit. Why would you be mean about Hobbit? I mean, I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Like, most okay, people enough. don't look like Hobbits, but he does. You know, fair point. Most people don't. He does, though, and it's great. He asks Ono and Graves and they agree to watch his back during the match then graves and neville leave which gives us this weird moment of ono telling regal that he'll someday thank him for all that he's done what mm-hmm. the fuck does that mean so william regal and cassius ono had a feud before this um oh. so cassius ono was a pretty devious heel what? prior to this thing with the wyatt family in which he turned babyface and during his heel run he and regal had an extended feud so that, that's why that's why this interaction exists that's wild i would never have said that i don't actually like remember like where this particular thing goes but i think it's meant to make you doubt whether or not ono is actually on the side of the angels in this because oh, like he's he's like I promise I'll like, I will someday repay you for everything you've done. And it's like, that's not the same thing as saying I will thank you someday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's fascinating. I'm very into it. All right. Then we get match three, which is a women's championship match. So Bailey enters and there's a graphic on the screen behind her of primary colored stars that would not look out of place on Sesame Street. It was very good. Or on a trapper keeper. I know. And her outfit is primary colors with a bow headband. It is a Mm -hmm. strong aesthetic. Very cohesive. Alicia Fox enters dressed like a sailor senshi cheerleader. Miles, I don't know if that does that famously or not super into anime. Do you remember sailor senshi at all? Not specifically, but I, I know the aesthetic. I have watched enough Japanese wrestling and enough Japanese women's wrestling. <laughs> okay, to, to be familiar. Yeah, it's kind of impossible to escape it because actually, like, Japanese wrestling informed anime and vice versa to a great extent. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. So the match starts and Bailey reaches her hand out to shake and Alicia takes it. And then Bailey hugs her like a little Technicolor jellyfish. And the ref pulls her off and Alicia does not care for these snuggles. No. Uh, she shoves Bailey into the corner, throws her down onto the mat. Alicia has her on hold and takes off Bailey's headbands. No. Yeah, Which I is know. about how Bailey reacts. She starts hulking out. <laughs> she pounds Alicia down onto the mat, 
theories was the headband just holding her powers in check. It's possible. It could be a Samson type deal. Yeah, or, or one there, of those it'd like be a reverse Samson deal actually. Well, Wonder Woman because her bracelets hold her powers in True. check. True. So Bailey pins Alicia, kicks out, and rolls to the apron. Bailey comes over to investigate the fact that Alicia's on the apron and then <laughs> boom, kick to the face from Alicia. Yeah, pretty wicked one too. Yeah, it did not look friendly. And Alicia pins Bailey and the match is over. Miles, I texted you this, I think. Bailey's character concepts seem subversive. Like she's non-violent for the most part until the match forces her hand into being violent. So I wanted yeah. to ask, are there many, for lack of a better word, Hufflepuffs in wrestling? It's not unknown. Bailey certainly isn't the first. I think her thing is she's a little bit starstruck. Um, mm. Alicia Fox is not an NXT diva. She is a main roster diva who's oh, spending some time down here. They mentioned in the commentary that she's a former divas champion. So it makes sense for Bailey to be a little bit starstruck and kind of want to oh, hug okay. her more than want to fight her. The most notable similar thing I can think of was a wrestler on WWE main roster named Eugene. But Eugene was uh, his gimmick was that he was like mentally challenged or whatever. <gasps> oh, and it my was, God. It was very insensitive and very like bad. That's so horrible. Yeah. And it's it's it was it's not. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. fortunately, they're not doing that with Bailey. I think her she's being presented kind of like a little kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of wonderment. So, our final match. Oh, no, wait. Sorry. Before we get to that, we get a package with Bray Wyatt and the family. Yeah. Seemingly filmed out in the bayou somewhere. Mm-hmm. Wyatt calls Regal out by name, telling him not to cross his path. Yeah. Mm, now I'm also wondering, was Regal telling them to take out the family so he didn't have to take out the family? Mm. Yeah, interesting. Does he still wrestle? At this point, yes. God, he's so old, though. Like, I mean, it seems like it'd be dangerous. Like, there's got to be a prime where you're going, okay, I can still physically do this. And then at a certain point, you're like, okay, I have beaten my body as far as it can be beaten. That dude started wrestling when he was, or I don't even know if wrestling is the term. That dude started fighting in England when he was 15. And so he's a tough motherfucker. Um, as we stand right now, like today in the modern world, he is retired. But uh, at this point, he was still occasionally wrestling. Yes. God. Now I kind of think he's like extra sexy. He's pretty sexy. Yeah, he's pretty sexy. I'll get into that a little bit because I definitely <laughs> did some Googling. I was not Googling for dick pics, you terrible people. No, I should. I will now, though. <laughs> I'm sure they don't exist. Good Probably for you, not. William Regal. Keep your dick out of the public eye. <laughs> On to match four. Bo Dallas comes out ready for this NXT championship match. The crowd is booing. What the fuck? Is he the heel? No, but they just really don't like him. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I don't love him, but like, I don't want anybody to just come out and they go, hey, fuck you. And you're like, oh, but he's just doing the thing. Not in this episode's um, wrestling term of the week, but maybe in the next one, uh, definitely one in the near future. We're going to talk about different terms for different types of audience reaction. God, there's so many terms. I'm I always know. like, we're going to come to the end of this, but no, never. Yeah, no. OK, well, more fanfic for me. Langston comes out. Everybody's really into that. Yeah. Because they like him, I guess. I yeah. mean, he's cool. They should. But also, guys, I don't understand the, your relationship to any of these people. <laughs> okay. The match starts and Dallas tries to wrap around Langston. Langston brushes him off like a fly. Just mm -hmm. 
Naturally, the match is a bunch of Dallas failing to get in any meaningful blows on Langston. You can see Langston put a fraction of his power behind hits and Dallas just goes flying. Yeah. And it doesn't even look like, oh, this is just really good stage combat. It just looks like that's as much as Langston has to put into it. Dallas gets Langston out of the ring for a second and Langston does a little bit of ringside cogitating, gets mm-hmm. back in the ring, throws Dallas against the corner and out onto the mat. We see an incredible shot of Dallas laying on the mat like a victim in CSI. <laughs> he looks like his spine was broken for a second. Langston pins Dallas several times, but Dallas kicks out. He lands a couple of hits, nothing impressive. Langston pulls big moves like throwing Dallas in and out of the ring because comparatively speaking, Dallas may as well be a damp paper doll as far as Langston is concerned. Mm -hmm. Then Dallas finally starts making contact enough to start offering, say, a token amount of resistance. Then Langston straight up bowls into Dallas, knocking him back on his ass. And then the straps come off, Mm. releasing the pecs of doom. Yeah. Boy, Langston is getting ready to put a final move on Dallas. He picks him up to face plant him on the turnbuckle pad. But Dallas grabs on and scrabbling at the turnbuckle pad. I don't know if that's whenever he exposes it a bit or if it was already exposed. Then Dallas manages to get around, shove Langston headfirst into the now exposed turnbuckle. Mm -hmm. If you're listening along at home turnbuckle turnbuckle oh so satisfying <laughs> not if your this, head's being driven into it oh boy yeah this he is does it twice he does and it's enough to give dallas a chance to pin langston and win the match i did not see that coming i did mm. not think he was gonna win and the audience cheers until he gets interviewed by renee young and then the audience starts booing dallas really hard miles what the hell is going on? Like, they were like, yeah, you won. Boo, get out of here. I, I think they were surprised. I think they were surprised as you are that Dallas won that match. And I think initially it was like, yay, like something unexpected happened. Wow, we're really surprised. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they were actively chanting no more bow during this match. I wondered what they were chanting. I could not tell. So I'm really glad that you were able to listen and hear what it was because I had no idea. It was no more bow. No more bow. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, then Um, then Renee comes out. Yeah, and so he's going to Disneyland is what he says. Which, if you're going to say something, that's not the worst thing you say. (laughs) He actually says, I can't think of anything else, so I guess I'm going to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Well, says it all. Bob, thank you for that breakdown. What did you think about this episode? I would have loved this episode purely for the Cesaro Zane match. Yeah. Getting to see that backstage drama, though, setting up the next thing and having William Regal come on and just sort of sow both unity and somehow, I think, also discord of some kind. (laughs) That was so delightful that I felt a real pull to come back and watch the next episode. Like, whenever I finished that episode, I really wanted to watch the next one and was going to before I remembered that I can't because of the cheap pop quiz. And so I went, okay, all right, I will not watch that next one until I record. That is the sound of success. 
That's <laughs> see, and this is why you watch NXT if you want to make somebody a wrestling fan. <laughs> yeah, or just show them, boy, Sami Zayn and Cesaro fighting. It's just really beautiful to watch, and also it's not relying on the beauty to make you interested. It has emotion behind it. It's a very solid fight scene that yes. works on many levels. All right, well, we're going to hear more about uh, what you and I think about individual parts of this episode as we get into the sights, sounds, and feels of professional wrestling. Yeah! So, Bob, in this episode, what did your elf eyes see? I was paying pretty close attention during the backstage drums, and behind Corey Graves or between Corey Graves and Adrian Neville, you could see the DVD for a poster titled For All Mankind, mm. featuring a picture of a very hairy dude sitting in a masterpiece theater pose on a wingback chair with mm. a big leather book and a sock puppet. Now, I Googled and found out that this is Mick Foley, and I want to know what conditioner he uses. Very interesting. That very... is what I noticed. All right. Well, um, that is that is very interesting. I I did not notice that. <laughs> it was big because I was like, what the hell is this? Why is there a masterpiece theater poster? Is it a motivational poster? Was what I thought it was. Maybe. And I, I thought, what a weird motivational poster to have. Because I thought, you know, you'd obviously have one of a sunset that says every day, try your hardest. Instead, it's a guy in a leatherback chair going, well, here I am with my sock puppet. Right. But no, it's for a DVD, which makes a lot more sense than my original theory. <laughs> so... My weird theories aside, Miles, what did your elf eyes see? The camera angle during the Bray Wyatt promo was very interesting to me. You don't mm. see wrestling film that way very often. It was like it was almost like the camera was like down between his legs, pointing up at him. <laughs> yeah. And first of all, I think the reason they did it is so that Bray Wyatt could be in like the rocking chair while Harper <laughs> and Rowan like loom above him, and you got them all in the shot at the same time. But it really did. Like it was also very much a shot that conveys like power and respect. And I mm. think it. Um, was just a little subtle thing that makes Bray Wyatt just even a little bit more menacing in that promo. He's so good. I didn't pay attention to the angle, but I did feel like it was a better package than the previous one. Mm -hmm. I liked it more. All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? My Vulcan ears heard William Regal, and I'm going to say William Regal's quote because I just thought it, it coming out of William Regal's mouth is really what made it. It was, sometimes a good kick in the mouth will stop a horse. <laughs> It was just such a weird sentence to say, and it was in response to something the other guy had said about one of them coming at the other like a horse or something uh -huh. to that effect. And then, you know, I think that's whenever Cesaro gets Sami Zayn right in the jaw. Yeah, Zayn runs across the ring to do some move and Cesaro gets his foot up and knocks him right in the face. Yeah. Um, before you even ask, Bob, my one of my Vulcaneers here thing was also William Regal commentary. Um <laughs> <laughs> Just like in general, his right. I cannot emphasize enough how much William Regal brings to the Sami Zayn Cesaro match and every other match he fucking calls. It oh. is unbelievable. I have never fully appreciated him as a commentator as much as I did after watching this episode. I mean, just the way he explains things, the way yeah. he makes it seem realistic. He has yes. a great thing where he talks about the chops that wrestlers sometimes do. Yeah. 
which like look extremely silly. And I've heard so much from so many people that I've tried to show wrestling. Like, what are they chopping? That's stupid. What does Regal say? He says, hey, if you're a wrestler, you know how to do it. So it hurts. And if it didn't hurt, they wouldn't be doing it. And you, I believe that. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know what? Legit. That's amazing. He's so good. And there's also a great moment where he talks about how, like, Cesaro was embarrassed by losing to Sami Zayn. He says, you can relate to that. Think about when you've been embarrassed at work. How did you feel? Like, didn't you want to just, like, hurt somebody after you were embarrassed in front of your colleagues? And it's like, oh, my God. It's it's just so good. He's so so good. good. He is. I love him. All right, Bob. Well, besides undying love for William Regal, which we both share at this very moment, what did your human heart feel? I'm going to say it was just utter joy having William Regal back, but we already (laughs) covered that. So I'm going to say you can do it. Yeah, that was really what I, I felt. God, I didn't realize how much I missed him until he was back and was going. I wanted to like email him, call him and say, don't ever leave me again. Fucking, he's not on the next episode. It made me really mad. Ah, he's so good. I have never given a single quarter of a fuck about any commentary in my life <laughs> until William Regal's voice. And now I'm like, I get it. Miles, what did your human heart feel? Look, I understand that the Bailey character is supposed to be kind of a child, but that look she gave Renee Young at the very end of that promo after Renee said, like, sure, I'll come over and play Jenga with you after school. It was a look. <laughs> I, You know what? I do not think you are wrong. I get some strong lesbian pan by vibes, some strong woman loving woman vibes off of Bailey. I felt it in my heart. It just seemed really blatant. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't expect it. I was prepared. I watched it the first time and I noticed it and I was like, all right, I'm sure that I'm just blowing this out of proportion. And I watched it again and it's like, she basically asks her out on a date. Yeah. And then the look she gives her afterward is like, oh, wow. Those are some please come over tonight looks. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be on the lookout for those because whenever she said, Alicia Fox is really pretty. I was going, oh, I see where this is going. Mm -hmm. I'll be on the lookout for more of uh, Bailey's bedroom eyes. It is time for our brand new segment, which we are calling Guess the Gimmick. So what we did for this is uh, I went on Twitter and asked all of you to provide the names of some wrestlers so that Bob can Google image search them and tell us what she thinks their characters are. I got a a lot of responses, so thank you so much for that. And they will go on like the master list of wrestlers for this segment. But one wrestler came up from two different people. And so I want to do that one first as the first guest of the gimmick. Uh, it came from Vladimir Duran and, of course, Sid Rabbit, a.k.a. Neil Butler. And Bob, when you talked about the fucking poster, I didn't know what to say at first. Mm-hmm. Because the first wrestler for guest the gimmick is Mankind. Oh, okay, okay. So please Google and specifically Google's image search Mankind WWF. Googling now. Okay. What I'm seeing is a man in a filthy white shirt and tattered tie with a weird leather face mask on and a sock puppet. Okay, so my theory is 
he was originally somebody that people brought in for team building exercises uh-huh. for company picnics and that kind of thing. Whenever they're like, oh, we're going to work better together. He eventually went crazy. And now he started eating the staples and sniffing all <laughs> of the rubber cement. <laughs> because as it turns out, working on team building activities in a corporate environment will destroy your soul and eat you alive. But he was not going to let the corporate environment take him down. He was going to take it down from the inside by doing what I can only assume is murder-based activities. That is a very good theory as to who mankind was. I'm just going to go ahead and read you this sentence from Mick Foley. The name of the performer is Mick Foley, of course. This sentence here from his Wikipedia page is um, appropriate in this context. Mankind... A mentally deranged schizophrenic who constantly squealed even throughout his matches, shrieked mommy, spoke to a rat named George, enjoyed pain, physically abused himself, such as by pulling out his own hair, wore a mask, and lived in boiler rooms. Wow. (laughs) That is mankind. And of course, he is famously one of the quote unquote three faces of Foley. Mick Foley notably portrayed three characters during his wrestling career when he was not simply calling himself Mick Foley. Oh, Um, my God. And in one memorable moment, all three of them interacted on screen together due to the magic of technology. And it was kind of amazing. I love the idea that Mick Foley has a maiden mother crone situation, (laughs) like a triple goddess pantheon for himself. It kind of is, yeah. (laughs) That is so weird and so brilliant. All right, Mick Foley, you're all right. He's pretty great. <laughs> I think Neil has read a lot of his books. Yeah, he's a he's an author. He's written a lot about um, his wrestling career. Very good writer. He's also a, a stand-up comedian. I got to see his show once. It was very funny. Oh, wow. And, of course, one of the most famous wrestlers in history. Well, you know what's also great and also, well, not yet famous, but it will be famous soon, Bob, <laughs> is the Wrestling Term of the Week. Before we get to the Wrestling Term of the Week, of course... We need to hear about last episode's wrestling term of the week. And to do that, we need to hear Bob's 100 word fanfic explaining the wrestling term from last episode, which was, of course, feud. So, Bob, take it away. This is actually a little bit over 100 words, I'm afraid. But I mean, it's fine. Before I start this one, I wanted to say that it was difficult to work in feud properly it's in there but i'm also exploring the theme of feuds shall we say through the work that's fun okay gird your loins mr darcy circled elizabeth (laughs) miss bennett i have plainly offered to tag team with you (laughs) and this is your opinion of me I am not ashamed of the feelings I relate. Could you expect me to rejoice in the inferiority of your connections? To congratulate myself on the hope of family whose condition in this promotion is so decidedly beneath my own? (laughs) Elizabeth felt her cheeks flush in anger. Mr. Darcy, I thank you for your frankness. You have done me the kindness of sparing any concern for your feelings when I refuse you. Indeed, you are the last man in the world whom I could ever be prevailed upon to tag team with. (laughs) (laughs) 
You have said quite enough, madam. I am ashamed that ever I felt I could partner with you and can only apologize for the numerous faults you wish to ascribe to me. Yes, notably your propensity to hate everybody. And yours is to willfully misunderstand them, Miss Bennett. How dare you? I will see you in the ring, Mr. Darcy. Oh, is this to be a feud then? And how long will you persist in this childishness? <laughs> Until you admit, Mr. Darcy, that you are cursed with an inordinate and undeserved amount of pride. Oh. <laughs> I'm so happy. I know. It's like everything I wanted and I didn't know I needed. And the only reason this exists is because David Waters is a genius. <laughs> He suggested this originally, but I had already written the Doom Squirrel Girl thing. Uh-huh. But I think I'm going to be going back to the Darcy Elizabeth thing periodically because it's very good. It's a I world I know. want. I want to know if they ever become tag team partners. <laughs> I need to know these things. I mean, you know, it depends on the wrestling term of the week, man. Yeah, that's true. You know, if one of your elf eyes see and one of your Vulcaneers here hasn't already singled us out as fucking nerds, <laughs> the fact that we both love Pride and Prejudice so much should do it. <laughs> this is a really unique Venn diagram, I think, oh. of things that have come together to form a wrestling podcast. You know what? We saw a need, Bob, and we filled that need. That's we were what like, we're doing here. What we need is contact sports in Austin. Well, let's get to uh, this episode's wrestling term of the week. Okay. Which I think you should find relatively easy to turn into a fanfic. It is authority. Less a specific term than an idea, but we're going to get into some stuff here. Um, we've talked a lot on this podcast about wrestling as a workplace drama. And you might be wondering, is there a boss? Mm. Does the boss decide what matches happen? Is the boss mm. actually an on-screen character? The answer to those questions in order is yes, we assume so, and usually. Most wrestling promotions utilize at least one authority figure, a person who wields power over the wrestlers, settles disputes between them, usually by scheduling them in matches against one another, and generally runs the show. Specifically, NXT has a commissioner okay. named Dusty Rhodes. Is that his real name or their real name? That is not his real name, uh, but it is his real wrestling name from when he was a wrestler. Awesome. He's like a fucking legend, and we're going to talk about him more next episode after you meet him, Bob. Oh. Uh, but suffice to say for now that when he says, hey, this is happening, it's definitely happening. He is the man with the power in NXT. Rhodes doesn't appear on every episode of NXT because NXT doesn't rely heavily on the authority figure as an on-screen character. Most of the time, we're expected to assume that he's somewhere backstage doing his job, which is usually making matches. He will come out to make announcements or deal with any problems, but he mostly remains unobtrusive. In other promotions, such as WWE proper, authority figures appear far more frequently. There are general managers who run Raw and SmackDown directly and appear on weekly television, although Raw and SmackDown change general managers like you and I change shirts. In fact, even as we sit here, unfortunately, occasionally and listen to his grating voice on commentary, Brad Maddox is actually about to be named the Raw general manager, <laughs> though it, it won't last very long. Okay. Um, at one point, there was an anonymous general manager whose identity was hidden and who spoke oh. only by sending emails to the announce team. What? It was super annoying. 
But no matter who the GM is, they always stand below the McMahon family. Vince okay. McMahon is the real life owner of WWE and is the most prominent voice in the creative process. But he's also well known for playing the villainous Mr. McMahon character who served as a foil for the blue collar Hellraiser Stone Cold Steve Austin. Vince's children, Shane and Stephanie, appear frequently as authority figures themselves, and Stephanie's real-life husband, a mostly retired wrestler named Triple H, often shares that role as well. Ah. Um, Now, in theory, NXT falls under the umbrella of WWE and this shifting hierarchy of authority figures, but in practice, we get to ignore pretty much everything I just mentioned. It doesn't matter. The sole exception to this is Triple H, because Triple H is basically the Vince McMahon of NXT. In real life, he's WWE's executive vice president of talent, live events, and creative. Okay. A position he first received in 2013, which is the year we're in. And he is also the founder and senior producer of NXT. This is his project, his baby. He is the engine behind what we're watching. Oh. And in the storyline, that means he is NXT's ultimate authority figure, but he appears on TV extremely rarely. One last quick related term, Bob, is the booker. Now, this term is almost never used on the actual show, but in reality, the booker historically is the person backstage who decides what matches happen and in what order. Oh, Um, interesting. They're usually not a real life authority in a corporate or ownership sense, but if someone has the book, as they say, uh, they decide what matches happen and they have tons of creative power. To get booked in wrestling is to get a match on the show. Okay. The booker as a term tends to be more relevant and the booker tends to have more power in smaller independent promotions with smaller management teams. One reason the term is rarely used in reference to WWE is because WWE has like teams of writers instead of just one and Vince gets final say on everything anyway. So like it's kind of redundant. And for those of you who are following wrestling currently and want me to talk about Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff right now, fuck off. (laughs) That is still playing out and it's not currently relevant to what we're doing here anyway. So we're not going to talk about that right now. But that is your wrestling term of the week. And come back next episode for Bob's fanfic explaining authority in wrestling. All right. Well, we are about at the end of our time, Bob, but we can't go without the cheap pop quiz. My soul is prepared. You got 100% on last episode's pop quiz. We will see if you can do it again. Oh, God. And once again, the cheap pop quiz questions, like the wrestling term of the week, are meant to prepare Bob and our listeners in some way for the next episode of NXT. And if Bob gets 10 of these questions right, which she already has four, I will have to read a romance novel or a fanfic of Bob's choosing, and we will talk about that on this podcast. So root for her, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Question number one. Next episode, you will meet a wrestler named Xavier Woods. Which two adjectives best describe him? Are they A, massive and cowardly? B, tiny and angry? (laughs) C, nerdy and funky? Or D, gentlemanly and horny? All right, I'm choosing D. Because one, my brand certainly owes some of its stock to the fact that horniness exists as a feeling. In gentlemen, no less. Yeah, exactly. So 
I am going to say that one, but also I feel like I'd be a fool if I didn't guess horniness whenever the guy's last name is Woods. Mm, that's a good point. It's a good point. All right. Question number two. Next episode, for the first time, you will encounter a match that ends with a decision other than pinfall or submission. Oh, wow. Will that decision be A, disqualification, B, countout, C, time limit draw, or D, no contest? If you want a, if you want a definition of those decisions, return to episode zero. All right. We go over all of them. I'm going to say disqualification. Okay. A, disqualification is your answer. And question three. Did Bo Dallas actually celebrate his championship victory by going to Disney World? Is it A, no, that's just a cliche that he spouted off because he didn't know what else to say when Renee came out to talk to him? B, maybe, who knows, it's never brought up again. No. C, I mean, he says he did, but are you really going to trust a guy who smiles all the time and accidentally on purpose exposed the turnbuckle to win the title? (laughs) Or D, yes, and he has pictures to prove it. Oh, God, this is tough. Okay, he lives in Florida, I think. Disney World's around. Right. I'm going to say D, that he did and has pictures. All right. Your answer is D, yes, and he has pictures to prove it. Come back next episode for the answers to all of those questions, Bob's fanfic, and much more. All right, Bob. Well, I think that's all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you once again, as always, for joining me. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm getting hooked now. I'm so glad. I'm so <laughs> glad that's happening already. <laughs> Speaking of hooked, I don't know. Have we hooked a few listeners? I think oh, we may have. That was a beautiful segue. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Because we hooked in Vladimir Duran enough mm. to get in a whole series of live tweets as he was taking a walk and listening to the episode. And they are on our Twitter and they're delightful. It was pretty entertaining. It was pretty it was, good stuff. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody, for talking to us on Twitter and Facebook. And now we have a Tumblr, so you can talk to us there, too. And by us, I mean me, because (laughs) I am the one that spends the time on Tumblr. So if you want to see me reblog pictures of what very interesting maneuvers look like, and then also probably just pictures of Mason Ryan... You can go visit NXT Wrestling Fan on Tumblr and get all of your needs met. Or just come talk to me and just show me pictures of various wrestlers making cool faces. And I will say, oh, man, thanks. We also wanted to say that we got an email from Brian Clark, who is from Canada, from Vancouver, which I have been to. And Vancouver is great. Yeah, I lived in the Pacific Northwest for a little while, and we used to love going up to Vancouver. Vancouver is fantastic. It's dope. And uh, sent us a nice email and told us a little story about his kiddo watching wrestling and being just utterly delighted and shocked that the heel could get away with something because the ref just wasn't even looking. I feel that so deeply in my heart as a person who experiences that joy on the regular. I am delighted to hear the story of another person experiencing it for the first time and going, what? Thank you so much, Brian, for that email. 
And then the last thing I wanted to say is just uh, as we release this, NXT has officially moved to the USA Network. I watched the show as I'll be watching all the NXT shows because I love NXT. It was pretty fucking great. And if this keeps up, I'm way more optimistic about the future of NXT than I was when the move was first announced. So uh, that's really all I have to say about that for now. Um, If me talking about current NXT and what I think of the product in the modern era, as opposed to six years ago, feel free to let us know. Um, Give us some input on that, because that may or may not be a thing that could be available to you in the not-too-distant future. So if me reviewing current NXT is something you would like then tell us about it. Yeah, because I enjoy reading about it, even though I'm not currently allowed to watch it. Well, yeah, I'm relying really heavily on Bob's terrible memory for uh, for this. <laughs> you know what? It's really come through for us, so it's all worked <laughs> out. I knew someday that my very Civ-like memory was going to become a superpower. Honestly, even if you didn't have that superpower, even if you weren't gifted in that way, Bob, (laughs) I feel like we might still be okay just because talking about current NXT, like it's going to be so many years before (laughs) before we start covering any of these people that you're talking about right now or learning about right now. So I think anybody would have a hard time remembering. Yeah, that's true. I know about one of them because Neil bought a shirt. Neil is my spouse. Mm. And he and so I remember that they exist because of that. And also because now that I'm on the tumbles, they sometimes show up. Are we talking about Yoshirai here? Yes, we are. I also like brought Yoshirai into collaboratory. Yes, which if you haven't listened to that episode of Collaboratory, which is on Smash Fiction Podcast, you yeah. should go listen to it because it's baffling and sort of beautiful. It was one of my labors of Hercules. Go listen to it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Be sure to come back in two weeks. For another episode. That we haven't named yet. But we will. Someday. Bye. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. No, I take it back. There is the one guy who comments on the Olympics. Mm, yeah, sure, he's good. Because he has those beautiful, soulful, watery blue eyes, and he seems like he would be gentle. Yeah. Like, just in life. I, not in a sex way, although presumably also in a sex way. <laughs> but mostly just in life, and I like him. But I can't remember his damn name, so there you go. But yeah. that guy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sidebar, I guess, about the Olympics. <laughs>